The content of this podcast, Swingin' It, is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The content discussed is not intended for investment advice nor a recommendation. Investing in any stock, security, bond, ETF, option contracts, or futures has substantial risk of loss. Chris McBride and John Burrell are not certified financial or investment advisors, nor are they registered brokers. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that neither Chris McBride or John Burrell will be held responsible for any loss that you may occur from acting on the topic or discussion in this podcast. These topics are not meant for recommendation. Chris McBride and John Burrell may hold positions in securities discussed in this podcast. Steph's dad's um, hung out with a lot of her family, played some music, ate some burgers, um, had a really good time. It was really hot. It was about 90 degrees out there. We sat up underneath the canopy, played some music, played some tunes. It was a good time. I'm uh, Even though it was a good time, we had, uh, you know, lots of fun. I'm ready for some trading this week. Yeah, we went way, way, way back in the woods in West Virginia to my sister's um, fiance's family's farm, and we did some shooting, did a lot of skeet shooting mainly, but we shot some pistols and stuff too. I'm actually, I have a skeet shooting video to upload to our Twitter account to show y'all that we, we do a little more things and just trade stocks. We have a little bit of fun as well. But like John said, it was a, it was a good long weekend. I, I'm ready for the market to open. John's been looking at futures already today, and um, he's getting his ass kicked is what he said to me, which automatically to me means that we're going to have an update tomorrow. So I'm, I'm even more pumped than, than I was. Um, I'm also ready to get back to podcasting, so I was pretty excited to do the show tonight. Things keep on trending up for our show, so we want to thank everyone who has been listening, everyone who's told any of their friends to listen, because, you know, things are really trending in the right direction. We had Ivana on, so hopefully we can get a little bit more female listeners and show them that this ain't just a boys club. I mean, we're 
we're guys, but th- this is a podcast um, females can learn a lot from too. I think oh, I think out of our listeners, seventy nine percent are male and twenty one percent are female. So we like better than I thought it would have been. Yeah, yeah, it's better than what you thought, but at least like to at least get back to forty. Yeah, but, for sure. And then we also. There's some other things coming down the pipeline with the Just Swing It podcast. We, we should have a, a couple, another guest or maybe a couple guests on our show in, you know, the next couple of weeks that, you know, kind of came out of our last interview and some people that, you know, really liked what we were doing and, you know, reached out. So they, they'd like to collaborate and do some stuff. So we're probably going to, bring them on the show. And then I think they have a show too. We might join them on there, but so you can look forward to that. But also I think we're going to, you know, do a little brainstorming and try to come up with, you know, some additional content outside of just the podcast to do with those guys. So there could be a lot of good stock market content coming from the Just Swinging It podcast in the, you know, next couple of weeks, but that's some stuff we got to iron out. But all of that is possible because, um, because of you guys and you guys um, listening to the show. So so we really thank you all for doing that and continue to share our show with other people because if we've done anything to help you learn something or even just entertain you, then chances are there's probably someone you know who could learn something from us or just have fun listening to us. So be sure to continue doing your homework and sharing the podcast with other people. John, you got anything else to add before we jump into our regular scheduled program? Um, yeah, as far as new content goes, do you want me to mention the challenge? We'll do that at the end. That's a new segment we have John's talking about. It's kind of a segment, um, but not really. A, it's a, it's um, something for the listeners to be involved also with us, and um, we'll circle back to that as we complete the um, levels, which John will explain later. All right, sounds good. Let's do it. But with that, let's jump right into the educational segment. Stop jargon with John. We're continuing options, which I would say is our season two of the show, options. And um, two episodes ago, last Monday, we kind of introduced options. We discussed um, what calls are, what puts are. And then, of course, Friday, we had a bond on and discussed all kinds of things with options that you might not understand yet. Um, tonight we're going to continue and John's going to talk about spreads, which should be very short and quick to the point. There's a lot more stuff to do with spreads, which you might've heard from, you know, our interview with Ivana, you might've heard things like iron condors and stuff like that, which kind of are similar to spreads, but we're going to discuss all those type of terms because those are very, very specific ways of doing things. Um, so we're just going to cover all of those type of terms on um, one episode like the Iron Condor. You might have heard John say Jay Lizard. We'll have a whole episode where we just go run through different things like that. But um, John, why don't you go ahead and introduce some spreads and tell people, you know, what what's good about using spreads and things like that. Okay, so spreads are defined risk. Um, so you don't have to worry about um, infinite loss or your account going into the negative or anything like that. So just to do a little recap here, um, if you go to your trade page where you can go to options, you can click on um, the term or the length of the contract 
for any of the options you want to do. Um, I personally like to go, um, if I'm selling options, um, I like to go out to about 45 days. If I'm buying options, I like to stay around um, 21 days or less. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. That's something I personally do, but look into it yourself to find something that's more comfortable for you. That's kind of where I like to uh, stay around. Um, if you go into a, um, this is the S&P 500, just a, this is just something everyone should get familiar with. It might be something too big for you to trade right now, but it isn't too big to trade if you're doing spreads. So that's something that um, we could also go over on here as well. The good thing about spreads is even though there's a um, ticker, and by ticker is just like SPY or um, MRO or, or whatever the company or ETF is trading by, it's called its ticker. And even if a, a ticker is priced at $300 like this one is, and it might be a little bit outside of your um, you know, uh, capital to trade something that big, or it might be too expensive for you, you might still have a um, directional bias. So, so you might like the S&P 500, you might be bullish on the S&P 500, meaning you, want, you think it's gonna go up, or you might think uh, it's gonna go down, you might be bearish. So you can still have that, um, you can still be involved and still make a trade that's not too big for you. So we'll just show a quick example here um, of a spread. I actually have one on in the S&P 500 right now with 47 days to go. Um, so if you are bearish, um, this is just one example of some spreads, but you, if you're bearish, you can, um, you can sell a call. So you would sell this call here, um, not this particular one, and this isn't um, trade advice, I'm just going over a trade that I actually made. So if, for me, I'm gonna sell a spread, so I go out to 47 days, because that's my sweet spot that I like. You sell this call. Now, if you sell this call alone, and you have unlimited upside loss, so you can lose as high as, high as it, if the S&P 500 goes to 5,000 or 10,000 or a million, I mean, it's unlikely that it goes that far, but theoretically you have unlimited loss if you do a what's called a naked option, which means you're just doing one if you sell it. If you sell just one, you have theoretically unlimited loss. If you buy an option, then it's a defined uh, risk. You just put however much money up for it, and you have unlimited, uh, theoretically unlimited profitability. So if we're doing a spread and we're, and we're bearish on the S&P 500, then I would sell this uh, 321 call and then I would buy the one behind it. Now, when you buy the one behind it, that defines your risk. So for every dollar it goes above 321, I start to lose money. But if you buy a call, every dollar it goes above 321, uh, 324, I make money. So if it's going above my 321 and above my 324, they cancel out after that. So if you, if you make money, if it stays under 321, then, you make, then I would make money. But if I just have that naked option at 321, I'm selling that call there, for every time it ticks lower, I lose money. But if you would have bought that one, you would have made money. So anything past the 324 mark, 
that is canceling out my loss from the 321 option I sold. So it defines your risk, and you can do these as wide as you want. So for example, this one is, um, it's $3 wide. Um, so three, um, uh, yeah, so it's a $300 wide spread. Um, but because I'm selling this, I actually receive a credit. If I would buy this, I would pay a credit. Um, so if you, um, so the one that's closest to the current stock price, if you sell that one and then buy any of the options behind it, you are, um, bearish if you do it on the call side. So let me scroll down here and show you. So the current stock price of this is around 312, 312, 313. And this is, it kind of looks backwards on here, but as you go higher to 313, 14, 15, 16, if you sell the one closest to the current price, um, and then you buy one after it, you are bearish, even though you're doing calls. So if you, sell a call spread, you're bearish. If you buy a call spread, you are bullish. But if you're if you're gonna be long or if you're looking to pay a credit or go long calls, it's just better just to just to buy a call anyway. It might be more capital intensive, but you try to keep these strategies as simple as you can. So real quick to overview, if I'm bearish on the SP 500, then I'll go a Above its um, current price, I will sell one, the closest one to its price that I that I'm interested in selling. So for me, I like to go out a few strikes, and we'll, I'm not going to go over the specific terms for this um, because you know it might confuse. But we'll get to these um, these. We went over strike price in in the first episode when we talked about calls and puts. Right, but um, so delta is something we haven't went over yet, so we'll save that for for later. But um, so the delta delta is, or if you listen to our last episode where you might have heard Ivana talk about she likes theta rich trade, those are called the Greeks, and that is what we will be covering on the next episode that we don't have an interview of just swinging it, so that could be Friday or Monday, but stay tuned, and we'll discuss the the Greeks as they relate to options. Yeah, and we'll, pro we'll probably go through the Greeks one at a time, because they're kind of in-depth on that, but anyways, I won't get into that right now, but just an overview, I'm bearish, I'm personally bearish on the S&P 500, so I go a few strike prices, what's called out of the money, which is something we covered before, so we'll go a few strike prices out of the money until we're comfortable and we think it's not going to go, or I think it's not going to go above that price. So I went out to the 321. I sold that call. And then depending on how much risk or how much I want to put up for this trade, I want to put on or how much risk I want to take is how wide you'll make this. Now, if you take this, now this is $100 wide because each um, share, each uh, cent is worth a dollar. So if you have um, $1, then that's 100 cents, which is a $100 uh, spread. So and this- is 100 shares in an options contract, which is what we covered on the first episode. Right, so, so um, you know, each cent is a dollar. You have um, 100 cents or $1 because it's 100 um, shares based on a contract, then you have $100 of risk. But if you sell this spread, you collect 47 cents. 
So you take your width of your spread and subtract how much you're collecting, and that's how much you have at risk. So if you see right here, it says BP effect, that's buying power effect, which means it's being reduced by $53. So I'm risking $53 and I have a potential to make $47 if I wanna risk 100. I've done mine a little wider, so I've done mine uh, $3 wide. So I'm risking $167 and I can gain $133. And so, how, to first some insight, how much capital would a spread like this cost up front? Yeah, so it would be $167 because it's a defined risk trade, so you have to put up the full amount. And spreads are really good. It, it doesn't make sense to me why Robinhood actually uh, makes you trade naked options before spreads because spreads are actually defined risk and they're actually less risky. So it makes no sense that they do it that way. But they, if, they, they make you do that because if you don't understand what a call or buying a call or selling a call or buying a put is, then you don't know how to do a spread either. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, there's other stuff in there too. Like, like I said, the iron condors and stuff like that you can do when you enable the spread. So there's a lot more things that you can do that maybe aren't, you know, as is simple or, or it's more complex rather. So yeah, for this spread right here, if you sell the 30, uh, I mean the 321s and you buy the 324s, you put at, at a current price right now, or when the market opens, this might change a little bit, but $167 you'd put up and you would have the, um, you know, you would collect $133 or $1.33 per contract of this. So, but you would say, well, why would I risk more money than I have to make? And, and anytime you risk more money than your profit potential, you have a higher probability of profit. So I'm risking $167 to make 133. And if you look over here, my POP, which is probability of profit is 63%. So I have a better than 50% probability of profit I'm risking $167 to make $133. You can do the same thing on the put side if you're bullish. So if you're selling a put spread, you, and this is just this is the same concept, just on the other side of things. So if I go out here, and um, I like this one right here. If I would do, if I was bullish, so I would sell the 296s, and I for me and my account, I would go. Um, $3 wide. So you sell the one closest to the current strike price, which is um, 312. So you go out here, you sell that one, and you buy one behind it. Now, if you buy the one directly behind it, um, you see, yeah, wrong put. Yeah, so, um, so, see. yeah, you'd be risking, that ain't, that ain't right. The, the markets are a little off in here just because the market's currently closed. But basically, you um, the difference between the width of the spread and how much you're collecting is how much you have um, at, uh, at risk. So it'd be um, 79, um, it'd actually be $79 at risk, and you could gain $21 with a 70% probability. So let me go back to that other one and make sure I said that correctly. Yeah, you said it, you said it right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The markets are just a little weird in here because of the, um, because, 
because it's closed right now. But just to recap, if you, the, in my opinion, and I'm not recommending anything, again, or disclosure, but my recommendation is that you do not buy spreads, you actually sell spreads. So with a naked positions and you were bearish, you would buy puts, or if you're bearish, a lot of people think of if I'm bearish, I'll buy puts. If I'm bullish, I'll buy calls. Um, but those have, uh, and you can do it that way. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or whatever. But uh, that's mo that's like the that's like the intro of how to use options. You can actually do the opposite of um, buying them, which would be selling them. So if you sell a put, you're actually bullish, and if you sell a call, you're actually bearish. So uh, we the problem with that is um, on some platforms. On Robinhood, definitely, but I would assume some some other one similar to Robinhood. In order to sell an option, you either have to have the shares in your portfolio or the money to buy all hundred shares. If um, you say you lost, so I mean, if, in order to sell options on Robinhood, you gotta have quite a bit more capital available. To do it and that's with any um, cash account or or um, or retirement account for the most part I'm not sure if any other retirement accounts will let you have like a margin type system but I don't think they will defaults to a margin account too and it's still the same so the Robin Hood well Robin Hood isn't really a margin in the sense the Robin Hood instant is a margin you have a thousand dollar margin yeah, but it's not it's not really a margin account. It's a cash secured account with some borrowing opportunities, really. But anyway, that's a difference. Yeah, because we we can go over that for one of our educational segments later about margin versus cash account. But there's Robinhood actually has another cash account that you can downgrade to and be full cash account. Yeah. So, anyways, um, uh, going back to this, and like Chris said, if you sell a naked option, um, you in some accounts you have to have the full amount or the shares to like back that. But if you want to sell options and still have that high probability, you can do spreads. And that's what we're really going over here. So, if, you know, if, if instead of, if you're um, bearish, so normally you would be buying puts, but say you want to be bearish, but have a higher probability on your favor, because maybe you're like, yeah, I'm bearish, but I'm not really sure on my timing. I think I'll be right over a few days, but right now I'm not sure what it'll do in the short term. I don't want um, the time decay as we go towards expiration to work against me. I want it to work for me. So if you want to do um, a position like that, you can do something like we showed here. And just real short review, um, you pick your um, you pick your contract length that you are um, that's the time of the trade that you want to be in for for what a particular stock. You go to that and say you're bearish in the stock. You sell the one closest to the um, to the current share price, um, and then you buy the one behind it. And depending on which one you buy behind it, will depend on how much money you have at risk. So right now, max loss for this dollar wide would be 53, 109, 167. Now, obviously, the more you have at risk, the more you can make. And also, um, it affects your probability of profit, too. The more credit you collect, the higher the probability of profit that you'll – well, no, not necessarily. But the width of the spread 
as you widen the spread out, the higher the probability will become because you'll collect um, a little bit more credit as you go out. But so that's the calls and the puts go the same way. Just a quick recap. You go out um, to the one closest, uh, I mean, you sell the one closest to the current share price, whichever one you're comfortable with. And this keeps clicking that. And then you buy the one behind it. And so if you're bearish, you can sell a call spread. If you're bullish, you can sell a put spread. And to break that down even farther into more regular people terms, spreads basically allow you to basically hedge your bet. So if you've done any gambling or anything like that, you may hear people say they're hedging um, their bets, which basically means they bet a certain amount on one side, but then they go back and maybe bet a smaller amount on the other side just in case, you know, the other outcome happens. So if um, the one they really don't think is going to happen wins, they still make some of their money back and don't lose as much. So the same thing with spreads, um, you can sell, um, you know, one option and then buy another one that, um, farther down the line or behind it. And that basically means that if you go slightly above, um, you know, that call that you were selling, you technically are losing money, but because you bought another call behind it, you're technically making money. But, um, and that's one of the things you, if you listen to the last episode, you could get from what Ivana does, is she's very calculated. If you do the math and do the calculations correct, you can basically make your width of your option kind of balance yourself out if you do get in, in between that area. And to kind of um, clarify some things when John kept on mentioning buying the one closest to the current, I mean, selling the one closest to the current stock price, he doesn't mean the option strike that's closest to the price. He means whatever strike you want to start your spread at, sell that one. So like S&P was, was at like 312 or whatever. That doesn't mean sell 313 that means you can go sell 320 if you like the 20 to 23 spread or whatever you would sell the 320 and buy the 323 it doesn't mean sell the 313 because that's right at, at the money or whatever it just means whichever one's closest based on whatever spread you're choosing right yeah and that's a good clarification you're just you're just trying to whatever strike that you think the stock's not going to get to either go above or go below, wherever you start your spread at, the first one that's closest to, not necessarily the strike that's closest to, but the option, um, the first option in your spread that's closest to the current share price, you want to sell that first one and buy that one behind it. And that's your spread. And if you do a, if you can sell a call spread, you're bull, uh, uh, bearish. If you sell a put spread, you're bullish. If you do both, which isn't too, complicated that's an iron condor yeah which we'll go over all of those in a lot more detail later and another thing i want to point out in case some people you know kind of missed it john slightly um he said it very briefly but he didn't really focus on it because he was just displaying spreads is he was talking about doing a spread in spy the one that he showed everyone on the screen basically would cost you $169 to do the spread. One share of SPY is like $320. So 
So doing a spread, which is basically buying two options, is like half the price of buying one share of SPY. So it basically makes some of these derivative products um, that are a lot more expensive able to be purchased by, you know, a smaller investor, someone just getting started and that sort of thing. So instead of just playing with the individual companies, you can actually, you know, look at the market as a whole, which honestly is a lot easier sometimes to predict than what one company will do on a daily basis. And also, you know, you were talking about hedging your bet and people will be like, well, why do that? Why not make a smaller bet? Well, some of these companies' stock prices are so high, you cannot uh, make a smaller bet. It just is what it is. So you need to do a spread to get your size smaller to hedge your bet, to have that smaller bet that's more in line. And also, he said, you know, it's half the price, the one that we've done an example for, it's half the price of buying one share. Not only is it half the price, but my probability is in my favor. I have a higher probability of profit, and I have uh, potentially more money to make than just buying one share. A lot of, a lot of positives with this with spreads the reason that is is because you have to have a little bit more knowledge like if you buy just shares of spy or a company in general if you buy and this is why options are are a lot more so if you if you have billions of dollars like warren buffett probably isn't buying options because he can just buy the the shares he has the money to just buy the company stocks um options have a lot more risk than buying the company stocks and oh well, not always. Not always. Well, that hindsight's twenty twenty. They they do. I mean, no, 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 no. They do not because because a call spread. If you sell a call spread, you have a higher probability of outcome, which actually is a reducing of risk. Yeah, but you're looking at it from your eyes, which are picking. You think you know. You know, you're picking where your price is at. The, the one pro the problem with the options and the reason they're higher profitability is because you have to pick a strike price. Yeah, but I mean, even though if you just if you just pick a strategy, like if you just buy um, if you just buy stock shares, and and, and or you do a bullish um option strategy regardless of what strike you pick a um, against the stock like dollar for dollar and you do an option strategy that has a higher probability of profit you actually reduce your risk you actually have less risk but it's i, I still don't think it's less risk than if you just bought the shares because every option contract has an expiration date Buying the shares, you can keep. Yeah, but but the expiration can work for you. The expiration works for you when you sell options. Yeah, but I mean, there. What I'm trying to say is maybe there's a loophole if you really know what's going on. Everything like you heard Ivana talking about how she can basically, if she starts losing money, she can buy one certain amount under, which basically sets her back to zero. Yeah, that all happens, but you got to know a lot of stuff. I mean, my, even myself just can't come up with that on a normal basis. John, you probably can't either, just to, every single time to be able to, okay, zero. Well, I mean, I mean, so the only problem with options is that it's based on 100 shares, and there's some, like, account requirements and things that you have to have. But once you have enough account, as long as you have the account requirements, and um, and you have enough money for a hundred shares, 
um, op, if you if you um, just understand the options, you actually can reduce your risk every time with it. But you hit something there. You have to have the the capital for a hundred shares, which you don't have to have if you just bought the stock. You can buy twenty shares of the stock. But I mean, you can do you can do spreads as well. It's more more risk technically than regular stocks because if you really really want to set yourself to like not lose money or have hardly any risk. Yeah, I mean, you got to have so much more capital. I mean, you can do anything if you got the right amount of capital with options. Well, I mean, I guess my point is, is like, if you um, could only buy 50 shares of a stock and, and say you wanted to do a high probability um, a play on that stock with options, then you would only be able to do a spread. And that spread is a defined risk. So if it does go below that, you could lose everything that you put up whereas with the stock you wouldn't but if you do have enough money for a hundred shares of that stock and you would have bought a hundred shares anyway you actually do take less risk well, that's not what i was talking about I, i'm not talking about if you could afford a hundred shares of the stock that maybe options is better than just buying the hundred shares i'm talking for a you know a smaller investor out the gate I wouldn't say when I do, when I buy options, I wouldn't say me buying. Say I bought an option in Penn, I wouldn't say that's less risk than me just buying Penn stock. Well, if it well uh, for for your like if you would have bought a hundred shares of Penn, then selling a put a hundred shares of Penn. I mean, Penn's at thirty dollars right now, so yeah, you know, we're we're talking three grand. Yeah, just that one trade. So that a lot of people don't aren't going to have that. So if you do have that, maybe you can do, um, limit your risk a lot more, but. But I mean, like a stock like Marathon that trades like eight bucks, if you were going to buy $800 worth of Marathon, and selling a put's going to reduce your risk and increase your probability of profit. So in, in I guess, you know, in stocks that's um, under like $10, I think a lot of people, if they're really bullish on it under $10 and they, and they would buy a hundred shares anyway, then it probably makes sense. Or if you do have a bigger account, you want a hundred shares of something and do that. And that, you know, I want, it's a good point. Um, I just want to shout out, um, our Twitter real quick because this is, this conversation goes really well with, um, a post that, that uh, we done on the, um, the new segment of something to consider um, is that it's it basically if you if you follow us on there we're doing um, a lot of uh, suggest not really suggestions but just something to consider when you're placing um, when you're placing uh, positions. So um, I can't find it here, but. Well, it's the one you did the first time. Uh, it's if you bought a, if you were going to buy a hundred shares, just buy the option and then buy the option the next at expiration again. So, yeah, here it is. I mean, I heard it on the first episode, or the last episode. Yeah. So, and th and this is this is basically my point here is just if you normally buy a hundred shares of a stock, uh, selling at the money put every forty-five days instead you will outperform buying stock and reduce volatility and risk. But once again, like Chris points out, and it, it's a good point, is that if you can't afford 100 shares of the stock, um, then you can consider what we're talking about now, which is like spreads. You know, you consider that spreads as well, and you can reduce the position but still have the same type of return. 
but you know those are defined risk trades and you can lose 100 percent of those trades and so in that situation um shares sent, uh, are more appropriate for your account but otherwise if you can afford those 100 shares then i would uh, definitely uh, have this in consideration yeah, and as you build your account, you may be able to do this more. But even the one John said, if we're talking about a beginner trader, a new investor, or someone who's just doing it on the side, or even even like myself, I'm not sure exactly what's in my account right now. But John mentioned being on a ten dollar marathon at eight dollars. A hundred shares is still eight hundred dollars. If I'm only trading, you know, one or two thousand dollars. Uh, I wouldn't probably, in my case, now you may do your own thing, but, and we've talked about it a few times on here about how much to spend on each trade. And of course, sometimes it's more like my pen stock is definitely way more than what anybody would say your portfolio, my portfolio should be way higher percentage. But if you're only trading, you know, $1,500, $2,000 and you wanted to buy a marathon, chances are you wouldn't be buying $800 worth of marathon. You would be, you know, buy $200 worth of marathon or something like yeah. that. For me, um, and it also depends on your account and your account, uh, um, you know, what you have access to and what they allow you to do. But I think it's um, the optimal number is to keep every position under 7%. As far as the mathematics go, it says that uh, not keeping anything else into consideration, but it just says 7% uh, or less of any um, one uh, position should, you know, you shouldn't go over 7%. I personally, you know, with other factors being involved, I don't, I try not to go over 10%. So that's yeah. just and, and that one's a big one for, especially like your, maybe your long-term investments too. Like if you have your money for the future spread out, there's less chance that you're going to lose it. And even if you end up not making as much as you thought you would, you haven't lost it. It's still going to be in there. Um, and if you were trading, let's say you were trading 25, 40 grand, then think about how much, you know, 7% of that is. Let's say 25 grand. What's 10%? 25 grand, 2,500, right? Or 250. Uh, yeah, I can't do math right now. Anyhow, if you were trading that amount, um, 10% of that would be a lot more money, which is enough. It'd be enough money to buy a position in a share. But say you were trading $1,000. If you limit all your positions to under 7%, then, I mean, now your profit ability is, you know, you might only have the ability to make, you know, 10 or $20 profit realistically. So, when you're a smaller, so again, you kind of got to figure out what works for you, how you want to do it, what kind of risk you want to take. But for me, I, I make trades and it, again, most, but most investors would say it's not that smart. And I would also agree that it's not the best strategy, but when you're trading with lower capital, it's hard to only make 7% trades, especially if you are looking at companies that aren't like penny stocks. And say you're looking at a company like Penn where the stocks are plus 30 per share. I mean, it's very, you would only, if you kept it to 7%, you would only have like, you know, four or five of them probably. So that, that's one thing to consider is just how much you're trading at a time. And if you look at 7% uh, portion, does that make sense for that trade? So if you look at it and you can only buy, you know, three or four 
$30 socks and that's your 7%, then you really have two. To me, you, you have two options. Well, you have three. One would be to look at options instead of buying the stock, but we'll put that one to the side. The other two would be to either um, think to yourself and kind of consider things about whether you would be willing to lose a certain amount of money. And if so, you maybe can up the percentage of your um, your portfolio and put more in that. Of course, you're taking more risk because now more of your money is into one company. So if that company goes down, you're losing more of your portfolio. So you, that's just one of the risks you'd have to weigh. Or the other option would be to find stocks at a lower price to buy. Those are kind of your two options. Either consider whether you're willing to take a higher risk on that trade or you probably just need to find cheaper stocks where you can get more volume. Because if you don't get enough volume and your options to decide, if you're not, if you don't get enough volume, um, then it's not really worth trading. So like, so you might hear day traders talk about buying a stock and trading it when it goes up 50 cents or 75 cents and making, you know, a killing. For example, if you're listening to, if you watch Jay Portnoy stuff, he'll like buy a stock and sell it when it goes up 50 cents and say he makes 70, 80 grand. That's because he put, you know, a million dollars in that stock. So it, each of those shares going up 50 cents are a big game. But if, if you have, say, you know, 10 stocks and it goes up, you know, 50 cents or whatever, and you make $5, to me, I wouldn't make a trade. That's not a type of trade I'd be looking for because I wouldn't be willing to risk that amount of money to make $5 profit. So you just kind of got to do all those calculations and figure out whether, even if you like a stock, so I do this all the time. I find a stock that I like, and then I calculate how much I think it will go up in a certain amount of time. And if my profit, you know, is only like, if I got to wait three or four months to make like a $20 profit, then I'm probably not going to make that trade. So even though I think I'll make the $20 profit, that's not worth, worth even the risk to me to tie the capital up. So it's just weighing your different options. John, you got anything else for the spreads? Um, no, I think we covered it all. Hopefully that, um, hopefully that covered everything else. Um, I think we covered it pretty in depth there, but if you do have any more questions, uh, just feel free to contact us on Twitter, DM us or message uh, below the video or message um, below the shares on Facebook or Twitter. Our Twitter is keep, you know, it's a- uh, Swinging it, no just. At, at swinging it. Okay, so at swinging it and uh, reach out right. to us, we'll help you. And then we, our email address is keep swinging it at Gmail. If you just don't, if you're a person that doesn't use Twitter, which I'm sure there's listeners out there that don't use um, Twitter, then you can always email us at um, keep swinging it at gmail.com. But um, with that, let's move into the buy, sell, watch segment. First, let's um, recap last week. I am currently up five to two on John, um, gaining a point on the sell, I think, last week. So let's, John's got some catching up to do. He's got about a, a month and a half to do it. So he, he better get on some points. John, um, what do you want to look at first, uh, buy or the sell? Let's go to the buy. Okay, the buy for um, last week, mine was Aurora Cannabis ACB. Um, John's going to pull it up on the screen. I can go ahead and tell you that it 100% went down, so there will be no point for me 
this week. Um, John's got marathon pulled up. Who knows why? But we'll go to ACB, which definitely went down. I think it's at low 12s right now. So I don't know how long all the cannabis and weed stocks are, are kind of down. So um, I don't know when that will turn around. That's one of the industries that right now is pretty down. So at some point it'll turn around, but who knows when that is. But um, ACB closed on Thursday, which again, would normally goes to Friday, but not this week. It closed on Thursday at $12.27. And it, let's see what it opened at. That's not it. John, do you know what date it is? Um, let's see, the 29th, are you talking about when I opened? Monday, last week. Monday would have been the, shit. John's trying to figure out Yahoo Finance. He goes back and forth whether he uses the five days or one month. I thought you started using one month last Oh, time. yeah, that's easier. My bad. I forgot that that was. Yeah, so now we're back on the one month where it basically shows us the stats for each, each day, which was July 29th. Aurora opened at 12.45 and it closed at 12.27. So we went down. It's a buy stock, so no point. Terrible stock for the week. John's buy stock was on DBA. So see what DBA is, John. John, what company is DBA again? It's um, it's not a company. It's actually a agricultural ETF. Oh yeah, the ETF because John's got into um, trading wheat and corn on the futures market. <laughs> I forgot about how this came came to to pass. So John's pulling up DP, DBA. It closed on Thursday at thirteen dollars and sixty three cents. And it opened on Monday at $13.24. So it closed at, thir John, quit moving. <laughs> $13.63 is it closed. Now go back to my, only show me Mondays because it shows me the top, the close. So on Monday it opened at $13.24. It closed at $13.63. So barely went up, but that's enough for John to get a point. So score is now five to three. John finally got a point. He, he's real excited on his um, agricultural commodities. Now, if we go into the sell stock, we'll start with John. He picked Cure, which is the healthcare ETF. It's a pretty high price um, one, not super high price. It definitely, it's a little bit. So, if you're new to the show, our buy, sell, and hold segment is where we each pick a stock we like and a stock we dislike only for one week. So what matters is the open price on Monday and the closed price on Friday or last week, Thursday. And whoever stock gets better gets a point. And then at the end of the quarter, somebody will, will lose and get some sort of punishment. And you're only looking at it on a one week basis. And because this show is for, you know, regular folks and beginner and hobby traders, normally the stock price has to be below 50 or we kind of make exceptions if it's right near 50. So this one, 
Ms. Kirstock is over 50, but not too much. It opened on Monday at $51.30 and it closed at $56.93. So humongous jump. (laughs) The second time John picked this stock for this um, segment, last time he picked it for a buy and it lost. This time he picked it for a loss and it won. So John really does not have a handle on the Kirstock. And when he chose it, I really was shaking and rubbing my head at why he's thinking hospital stocks are going down when coronavirus is, I mean, Florida had 10,000 cases in one day last week. So <laughs> really not that smart of a pick. So John's sales stock definitely went up. So there's no chance he gets a point there. Mine was Big Lots, which was another pretty high-priced stock. So pull up Big Lots. Um, and really the reason I picked Big Lots is um, the week before, towards the end of the week, they announced their their sales during Corona and they were way, way, way better than what they predicted. So their stock surged way up and it's still up compared to what it was before. But when I chose it, I think it was at, yeah, so Monday opened, it was at 43.65. And we actually looked at um, what we recorded on Sunday, I think the after hours from the previous Friday, it had at like 44 something when I chose it. So that 43.65 and it closed on Thursday at $40.37. So went down and again, I chose the stock solely because the announcement was so kind of late that it surged way up and never really had that chance to kind of fall down into the level. So the $40 is still up for big lots compared to what it was, but it's kind of the more steady level. And if you, John, if you go back and check the tape, I'm pretty sure I predicted that about where the price was going to be, that would be in the four, that 40 range. So I'll take the point there. So basically John helped himself none. So the score is Score is now six and three. Now let's go ahead and discuss our watch stocks, which are just our picks for fun that we're not sure what what they're doing. And here a few times on the show, our watch stocks kind of got upgraded or downgraded the next week. So we still pick those even though no one can get a point. John's watch was UNG, and that's probably not even for the weekly basis, but just so he can um, reiterate that natural on the show that natural gas is basically at its 25 year low and that if you were ever going to make a longer term investment in natural gas now is the time so hey, i have warren Buck, uh, buffett back in that <laughs> yeah so we'll get to that in a second that's pretty big news even though we don't talk about news on this show we may pause and talk about that soon as we discuss this ung um, on Monday last week, it opened at $9.79, and it closed at $10.08. So John made a few dollars last week on natural gas. Probably not much, but a few dollars. But um, like John mentioned, big news from tonight, literally like two hours or so before we done the show, is Warren Buffett hat, or Berkshire Hathaway, which is basically Warren Buffett's portfolio and company that sells insurance and all kinds of stuff, but mainly it's his portfolio. Um, they have acquired all of Dominion Energy's natural gas products. So they didn't buy the entire company of Dominion Energy. And if you don't know about Dominion Energy, they have a lot of, you know, power type stuff too, like transmission lines and utility stuff. And then they also have pipelines for natural gas. Berkshire Hathaway has bought the natural gas portion of the company for like $10 billion. So 
the minion, if you want to jump down and pull the minion up on here since we're talking about it. Um, the minion currently, I think, is at like $82. Me and John was discussing this earlier, so it's a pretty pricey one. If you got a little bit of money, there will be a, a little bit of an up tomorrow for Dominion because, if not anything, the fact that um, Warren Buffett's putting $10 billion into it will make the price go up. Now, we both discuss and we also feel like natural gas is so low right now that it'll go up because of the news and because of Warren Buffett's capital, not really because natural gas. So in the midterm, natural, this um, Dominion's probably not, it probably doesn't get that much of a boost from this. But in a super, super short term, if it doesn't spike during, um, you know, pre-market, there could be a few dollars made here in the very short term. And then of course, natural gas in the long term going up will help Dominion Energy. And some might ask why, why Warren Buffett would buy something that's kind of down. And if you don't know anything about Warren Buffett, that's kind of his thing. He, uh, when something's failing, that means it's the best time. He, he's a long-term investor, so he wants things at the bottom. So something like this, which will come back at some point, natural gas, it's at the bottom now. So. Warren Buffett's going to buy Dominion, you know, keep that for a couple of years, probably. So he's not looking at, he's not, when he bought Dominion Energy, Energy stock, he's not looking at selling that tomorrow. He's looking at keeping that for the future. And I'm pretty sure this, um, this um, investment will go into the Berkshire Hathaway A stock. So John, John, remind me again, which one's the A? Is that the one cheap one that everyone can buy or is that the $250,000 one? The A should be the ex super expensive one. Yeah, so nobody, I, I'm 100% positive, John. I've never, I don't say that about a lot of stuff, but I'm 100% positive. There's no one listening to this show that is fooling around with um, Berkshire Hathaway A stock. Probably not. If I had to guess, <laughs> because those are about $250,000 per share. So, and um, my dad was discussing this over the weekend. We went to a catfish tournament. And he was talking about this, um, about how people, you know, who has the money will buy one share, not really because of wanting a share, but if you own a share, you're allowed to go to their stockholders meeting. So, that can give you some benefits, you know, down the road. So, yeah, but huge news. I don't know if anyone will trade this. John's mom has a humongous position, so could help her. Um, but it is big news that Warren Buffett's putting that amount of money in something. And it's coming on the wake, you know, probably two or three weeks ago, Dominion Energy has had a couple big projects, pipeline projects in West Virginia and Southern Virginia that have been on halt for a few years because they've got to where the Appalachian Trail is. And as of previously, they wasn't allowed to cross the Appalachian Trail. So it's been in the Supreme Court for a few years. And then two or three weeks ago, the Supreme Court ruled that it wouldn't be that much harm because the cross the trail, which if you think about the Appalachian Trail, I mean, we're crossing, you know, 
a few foot of the trail and then even if you want to count you know a little bit on each side as wildlife i mean we're talking about pipeline we're not talking about bulldozing square miles of the appalachian trail woods we're talking about the pipeline but you know how yeah so so it's not it's not it's not too destructive to the environment but yeah that's that's a pretty good news that came out uh it's very interesting when i seen it pop up on my phone but uh yeah that's just a little uh little bit of news we normally don't cover news on today's episode now because we do that on friday but we just thought that that was really interesting going into the week and we couldn't really pass up on to it but uh you ready to go over the uh buy sell and uh hold for this coming week well, I have one more comment on 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 the Warren Buffett thing, and the reason that I don't think it's it helps too much in the like mid term, even though you'll see bullish, of course, compared to it is now. But at eighty dollars stock, you would have to you know buy quite a few of them to make some money on it, um, and that's because they also announced Dominion announced that they were pulling the plug on their like Atlantic coast pipeline that they've been tied up in court and stuff for years which this supreme court would have helped the atlantic coast um pipeline which is with um duke energy as well but they pulled the plug on that so that's kind of like sets them back a little bit so if if the news would have came if they would if dominion energy would have said that they're not pulling the plug and they're about to reconstruct that and warren buffett bought that then this would be a stock that's 100 percent viable right now it's kind of he just bought what was already in place um and then my watch stock for last week was ford it went up a little bit on friday it kind of held where it's at the bronco is supposed to be coming out in two weeks on the 17th as a partnership with disney so there could be a rise there um but now a lot of car companies are second guessing about whether to wait due to the coronavirus to unveil the new products so who knows but um yeah john with that let's move into this week's buy selling watch stocks what do you have for the buy um so for the buy i have a marathon so that would explain why john had marathon pulled up john's buy stock is marathon it is currently at well not currently i guess it probably had some after hours but at closed on thursday it closed at six dollars and twelve cents Yahoo Finance has short-term as bullish, mid-term as bullish, and long-term as bearish. John, why why do you like this stock for this week? Um, it's just another play on commodities, but uh, you get you're just investing in a business that's dealing with oil. So I think um, I think we're going to see inflated price in oils that should help Marathon's company out, and they've dropped off. Um, a very you know they've dropped off in price um quite a bit from their top so and um, earlier in the show when we were doing options you mentioned eight dollars was that um just a random number you chose or is that where you like this to go to um it was just a i couldn't actually i briefly looked at this um, but I thought it was trading at eight dollars for some reason. But it's a hell for your buy stock. It should look even better to you at six dollars. Then yeah, I mean, I, I originally got into it when it was at three forty or something. Yeah, and you made some money on that. Um, my buy stock for this week is Workhorse or WKHS, which is basically a company that makes electric 
you know, vehicles, airplanes, and that sort of stuff. And if you pay attention to any news at all, um, the work workhorse stock is one that's went up pretty fast here of recently. And it's one of them stocks where you'll see on both sides of the coin, some big time investors hate it and some big time investors like it. So depending on what you click on and what you read, you'll read some stuff probably about workhorse that's kind of comparing it to like people buying Hertz or something like that. But then you also have other big time companies saying they really like workhorse. The And the 52 week high is like $22 and something, which I think was last week. And it's at 20, it closed at $20.91, which was up like 9% on, you know, probably the week. But um, even though it's at the top of this range, I, I'm picking this stock because pretty much um, there's a, a lot of people think that that's going to continue to go up. I think they had a record breaking streak of going up. Um, last week, if you, John has the graphs pull up, it's pretty much continuously have has been going up. When you say, I mean, it has like ups and downs, obviously, but it's trending up. Yeah. Um, and then if, on, I don't know if it was last week. I think it was last week. Uh, a pretty, you know, big time analyst firm that kind of gives out target prices and that sort of stuff. Um, BTIG, they basically doubled their target price for workhorse. Before they had their target price at like $10 or something like that, and they changed it to $26. So that news alone will push it up, and most people think it will continue up this week. So this is one where if we have an up week, we'll probably go up. Yahoo Finance has short-term is bullish, mid-term is bullish, and long-term is bullish, the same as Marathon. So it should be a close race this week. Both can be good John's, of course, doesn't have to go up as much because it's a lot cheaper. But I might actually look again into some workhorse. John, what do you like as yourself? Um, volatility. Short so John, volatility. John's sale is the SVXY, which was a sale about two weeks ago. Um, the opposite. So you think volatility is going up, basically, right? Yeah. So John's sell, selling the um, the SVXY. No, hold up. SVXY changes as volatility goes up, it goes down, right? Yeah, as volatility goes up, it goes down. If um, volatility goes up, this stock will go down. The other one he could have did was UVXY, which is volatility goes up, would have went up too, and they're about the same price. So just switch... Both of them has has their has their deals. They're kind of similar, but um, SVXY um, closed on Thursday at thirty two twenty four, and the UVXY closed at like thirty dollars or something. So it's pretty low compared to what it what it has actually had. From Wednesday, I, I thought there was going to be a sell off, so I made some money and got into a big, pretty big UVXY position, and it continued to go down. So I ended up getting out of that before I took too big of a loss. Um, so there is room on the volatility to go up. John, what's your hold stock? Or watch stock. And John's watch stock forever and always is going to be UNG. There's no need to go over any more discussion on that. And then mine was kind of what I mentioned earlier when we were talking about ACB. My watch stock is Tilray, which is another Canadian cannabis company. 
Um, it closed on Thursday at under seven dollars, and it hasn't been at under seven dollars, you know, in a in a month or two. Pretty much all the cannabis stocks have been down um, last week, and are kind of because of this coronavirus thing, or no one really knows when they'll start trending up and till raise that a lot lower than you know what it has been. So that's my watch stock. I probably. Probably won't get a position in that, but it's one to definitely keep an eye on. Um, so with that, that's our buy, sell, and watch segment. We'll look at the opening price tomorrow on Monday, and then the closing price on Friday, and see who you know does better next week. So currently, score six six to three, and this competition quarter will end. Some sometime around August 20th, whenever the Monday is closest to there. With that, let's move into our currently our last segment. We got another one that we're going to discuss after this, which is kind of a segment, kind of not, because it may take a couple of weeks before it comes back. It's going to be an inter intermittent type of segment where it comes back as needed, but not necessarily every week. Our but our last segment is predicted and um, shout out um, to predicted to for making good life decisions and following us on twitter so the actual predicted team must like what we're doing here trading predicted's live on the stock market show this week it should be a little bit better for radio as we each already have our picks already chosen so it won't be us just you know scrolling through the picks john what's um what's your first pick uh, first pick is going to be um, buying a no on Kanye West. Yeah, so that's actually my first pick as well. I'm also buying a no on Kanye West running for president, but it's at 40 cents, so there's a lot of room. <laughs> um, his guess is at 40 cents. His, buy, his no is at 60 cents. Um, he, if you don't keep up with anything at all. Kanye West said on 4th of July he's running for president. Elon Musk kind of backed him a little bit. And um, the problem is it's kind of late in the game that say this news came out three months ago, I could definitely see Kanye West trying to run for president, but it's so late in the game, he has to do a lot of things in very fast, short order to even be allowed to technically run for president. Now, people can write his name in the uh, ballots, that, but that wouldn't count as far as predicting goes for running for president. So too many things has to happen in too short of time that there's probably, whether he wants to or not, there's probably not a chance that he can even get on the ballot. And this is a recent thing he wanted to run this year. I think back in February, he tweeted, uh, he tweeted like 2024, which is basically him saying he won the run 2024. Now that is more likely, and that's a different discussion about whether Kanye West will try to run for 2024, but probably not going to be able to this year just by the rules. Um, so that, anyways, yeah, that's an important point is make sure you're reading the rules on these before you um, make any bets because – it's uh, really important to read the details of what uh, makes you win or lose. But moving on to the next pick that I have here, um, will Donald Trump lose any state that he won? Yes, this is a kind of a high probability one, but I'm going to go ahead and take that here. Yeah, that's 
that's probably going to happen. What's your last one, John? My last one is which party will win Minnesota in the 2020 presidential election? We're going to go with Democrat. We're going to buy yes on that. Yeah, if you pay attention to the news at all, uh, defunding of police only happens if a Democrat has uh, control, so that's probably going to be no change there. Um, and that's actually one of my picks as well. John, you want to enable my screen sharing so I can pull them up? Yes, sir. I wish this would um, automatically do it, but I think you're good now. Me and John should be on the um, must have been on the same wavelength tonight because my first pick that I have wrote, I have um, written down. John had pulled up on a screen before, and I had mine written down um, on a piece of paper. I also had my first pick as um, no to Kanye West. So submit. We on. actually we didn't discuss these going in either. We yeah. just uh, prepared yeah. them before. And my, my second pick was um, a Democrat winning Minnesota. So <laughs> two out of the three, we um, had the same pick. And honestly, my third would have been pretty much the same one as Trump not losing or not um, losing a state that he won before. And um, the reason I didn't is because, I mean, it's at like 87 or 88 cents. And I mean, you can buy it, but it's not really – there's not a lot of meat on the bone there. Um, but my third pick is going to, you know, it's a little more risky one, but, it, you know, if history repeats itself, which it almost always does, um, well, it ain't more of a risky one. I must have been looking at North Carolina, but I'm going to pick a Republican to win South Carolina, which is at 84 cents. So... Those are our predicted picks, our predicted political outcome picks for the week. Um, if you're listening to the show and you've been trading predicted with us, be sure to tweet at us and tell us your picks for the week. And, um, you know, just have a little fun with this game. Again, if you don't know what predicted is, you can basically trade political outcomes the same as the stock market, except the beauty is all of the outcomes, all the shares cost less than $1. So say, say um, one side of the coin was yes, and it was 60 cents, that means the no side of the coin would be 40 cents. And the other thing that's cool about these, you can trade them just like stocks, so the, the amount each share can change on a daily basis, but also, so it's like stocks in that aspect, but it can also be like betting on the other aspect as in if one, if your outcome happens, predicted will pay you the, the up to the dollar amount. So if you bought it for 60 cents, they'll, you'll get the full dollar. So you'd make a 40 cent profit just by it happening without having to, you know, trade them. But that's our predicted segment. Now, we again talked about our new segment, um, which is intermittent. I don't even know if I'd call it a segment, but just the full thing that my, myself and John are both going to do in the next, you know, little bit. And it's designed for our listeners to do as well. And I think it's tailored kind of towards people who are just now getting started in training. So if you've been listening to us for the last month and a half, you should be ready to, you know, kind of jump in and start doing a couple of trades. So we're going to play this little game. Basically, um, I'll let John explain more, but basically in the sh short of it, he's going to 
give us um, a challenge, which we'll call level one, level two, whatever. He'll give us a challenge and you'll try to complete that challenge. And then once you do it, and at the, the progression will be once myself and John both complete the challenge, we'll move to level two. But even if you're a listener and you don't complete it as fast, you can just keep doing it and move on at, at your own pace. So it'll be good for, you know, young traders to kind of get started. So John, take it away. So this, I also post this on our Twitter um, under the something to consider. So it is a, a trading challenges are fun. That being said, welcome to level one listeners of the Just Swinging It podcast. Uh, challenge, challenge is to make an extra $150 from any of these tickers. Now, the reason these tickers are picked is it is either the actual S&P 500 or it is a derivative product of the S&P 500. Now, you cannot use the options. You have to use the shares of stock or the future contracts, whatever is comfortable for you, but this has to be an extra 150. It cannot be any current positions you have on. It starts today. It has to be an extra 150 from one of these tickers, and the tickers are for the people listening to the podcast that cannot see the screen, forward slash ES, which is the E-mini S&P 500 futures contracts, the MES, which is the micro uh, S&P futures contracts, SPX, which is something that our previous guest uh, trades a lot of, which is the S&P 500 index, SPY, which is the S&P 500 ETF, or UPRO, which is three times leveraged to the long side of the S&P 500, or you have SPXS, which is three times leveraged to the downside. So basically, UPRO um, goes up three times percent-wise, whatever the S&P 500 does, it does it uh, three times in the same direction. SPXS goes down when the S&P 500 goes up and goes up when the S&P 500 goes down. So that's like a short one. So if you don't want to just trade from the long side with the ETF, you can use the short side. The other one is SPXL. It's the same as UPRO. It's three times leverage to the upside. It's just provided by a different company. Each one have different fees associated with them, depending on accounts and depending on the company that runs the ETF or futures contract. But the futures, you can short or go long those any way you want to. The index, um, it's easier to just buy. If you're going to do the index or the ETF, it's easier just to buy them. You don't have to have any extra accounts to short them. But if you are wanting to short and you're in a cash secured account, the best way to do that is the SPXS. Um, if there's another ticker that you like more than these, you can use it as well, but it has to be based on the S&P 500. And the good thing is this is level one, so you can use as much capital or as little capital, capital as you want. But this can be as easy as, as, you know, this can be very easy on a percent basis if you have a large account, or it could be harder if you're a small account. But the good thing is you can use whatever size money that you want to. The goal of this um, first challenge is just to make an extra 150, and this is going to get progressively harder, and it's going to be a really cool challenge in step in level two. So if if you can complete this uh, after um, I get to this goal and Chris gets to this goal, we will bring it back up. We might um, go over how things are going for this in in like a week or two. 
Um, but just make that extra 150 and then once you do pull that out of your account, put it in your bank account and set it to the side because there's going to be really something cool that has to do with trading the S&P 500. So stay tuned for that. And um, John, we're going to have to disagree a little bit on the rules. If you're trading futures, I can trade options to do this. You either have to take out futures or put in options. You can't trade. I mean, you're making, you have way higher, um, you're making way more profit by trading futures. It's the same as trading options. That's true. Um, you, could trade, you could trade one of these futures in one night and make the $150. I can't buy enough stock to make $150 in a day. Um, you pro, you probably could. No, it's $40. Yeah, I know, but it moves three times the movement of the S&P. Yeah, but even if, so, even if four say say it went up to forty five in one day, that's a huge jump. That's I mean, how many would you have to have to get to one hundred and fifty? You know, we're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars of capital. If you're trading futures, we can trade options. So I guess we could. I guess if you have a bigger account, um, the the futures would be a smaller product for you. Um, so the problem is, is the next challenge has to do with stock. It doesn't have to do with options. So you can use options, but it won't prepare you to trade the next step because it's stock as well. Take out futures or make the amount of money lower. Cause if this is for regular traders, I mean, I don't know, you either, it would take a lot of shares to make this in a reasonable amount of time, I think, for to, just solely for a podcast. Now, now I don't, I'm not saying that people shouldn't try this on their own, but I mean, with the amount of money I'm trading, it'll take me, if, I, if I'm just buying shares of the stock, it may be a, you know, a month or two before I hit 150. Let's see. I'm not putting, you know, I'm not putting $500 into this. Right. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess just make the extra 150, um, just how it, what, you just, you can use options, but just, um, do it in, um, you know, just keep in mind that, um, trading the stock will, it, getting used to trading the stock will get you, um, more, I guess, ready for the next level, but just make 150 off of one of these products. Because you'd still have to get the directional move right if you use options. So, I mean, I guess you would still be playing it the same way to an extent. We can get it in a – so, again, for the listeners, maybe – I don't know. For the listeners, I would suggest maybe try to do it with just a stock. But since we are, are running a, a, a podcast, for us to, you know, move be able to move on to level two and uh, – you know, a normal period of time where this ain't like a one to come up once every three months or something deal. I mean, I'm going to need to trade options to get to that 150. Because I don't, if people listen to the show, I don't normally trade these derivative type stocks. And to make a high profit, you either have to have a huge move or hold them for a while. So I don't, I don't know. But it should be a fun challenge. Get to the 150 however you can in one of these products. And um, yeah, if, you, if you're if you a listener and you hit one of these, let, 
tweet us on Twitter and say you, you hit it, you're ready for level two. You might you might beat us there. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. we'll just go ahead and say that you can use options. Uh, I guess the main point of this is just using the S and P product because that's what's going to be used in the higher levels. But for level one, just get the 150, however you can. And this kind of sets up where we can do a chat, um, different types of challenges. Like we can go through, you know, this series where you're trading all derivatives of SP, um, the S&P 500. But then after we finish, you know, this whole kind of game, maybe we can switch over and do, you know, some other type of ETF or we can put like this, these type of companies or these type of, we can, we can build off this after as a series. So first let's start with the S and P 500 type company. So again, make $150 off any S and P 500 product. And if you do hit that, let go ahead and tweet us and, and let us know that you hit it. But, um, with that, that's kind of all we have for today on, on this uh, Monday's episode. Again, if you have not listened to our previous episode now, I know it's kind of long, but go back and listen to our conversation with Ivana Placker from Options University. There's a lot of good information in there. If you're not following follow us, if you're not following us yet on Twitter, follow um, at swinging it and so no just just at swinging it we're posting on a daily basis about what trades we're making we're mixing it up in people's comments we're talking about companies um john's does his series called something to consider where he just gives a little just something to consider he probably does two or three a week so look out for those and um yeah, it should be, be a good time. Um, if you follow us here soon, you'll see a video of me shooting ski and what one hell of a shot I am on there. So, yeah, just be sure to follow us. Be sure to share with your friends. Um, you can follow me on my personal Twitter at Chris McBride underscore 12. That's on Twitter, but also all platforms. John's at Burrell Invest on Twitter and as well as Burrell Invest on his public trading platform website and he was working on that right before we started the episode so there's some content on there so be sure to go go ahead and go check that out and then definitely look forward to some you know bonus content some some more interviews coming down the pipeline but um with that we'll see you friday and john's gonna take us out on a little tune this episode's theme is america so let's see what john's got for us play the music john Thank you.